Welcome to Paranormal, the new normal, and it is our very first episode, as we are joined by someone with tons of tales of spirits and smells and everything else in between. Our guest this week is Shauna Lindemann. She is a friend, as she as she's been in my other podcast I, I do with my friends called Bracket Bastards, and well, hopefully you guys enjoy what she has to t- tell us and at the end of it all, we play the fun little discussion game. I play the end of every episode of this, if the guest is willing, that is. And that game is called, What Do You Want to Believe? Well, let's hear my conversation with, Sha- with Shauna, why don't we? And as you just heard, this week on Paranormal The New Normal, we have, for our very first episode, Shanna, who has had a life full of paranormal occurrences, and she's here to break them down with us and see what we can learn from it. Shanna, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Technical difficulties and all for first episode, but it happens to everybody. Absolutely. So, Shanna, can you give us a quick bio about yourself so the Listeners know a little bit about you. Absolutely. I am a middle-aged Midwest mom. Um, Like you had mentioned, I've kind of had a life full of paranormal experiences. Maybe when I was younger, I didn't recognize that's what they were. I guess I kind of assumed that everyone had those encounters. So I just kind of went with them, never thinking anything was unusual. So I'm definitely excited to be here and, and share those with everyone. Well, we're definitely excited to have you here. So why don't you just start wherever you think is a natural beginning of these occurrences? Sure. So I guess I've always been, I don't know if the word sensitive is the right word to use for it, but the first actual memory that I can draw in my brain and associate with actual, what I think is paranormal activity is when I was probably between the ages of three and five. I can't remember the exact age. I just know the time frame because where we were living at the time. We lived in Germany. My dad was stationed over there. And we lived right across the street from an opera house. It was called the Festspiel Opera House. And we lived in military housing that had previously been used as Nazi barracks. And right across the street, like I said, was this ginormous, beautiful opera house. Obviously, you know, historical. Hitler had used it to entertain his troops. I mean, just a, a landmark. And that right there, that that right there is some uh, reason for there to be spirits in that opera right, house. Right. Absolutely. And also worth mentioning, <laughs> I was raised in a Jewish family, so definitely, you know, maybe opened up some doors there as well. But I remember it was this giant house that we lived in as temporary housing until our military housing became available. And it was this huge house. It had three floors and plenty of rooms. And I remember, I don't know why, but I always wanted to sleep in my older brother's room because I was scared. And then I started like experiencing, I would hear almost like party sounds, like music playing and cheering and, you know, just people having a good time. And I was like, what in the world? 
and I remember thinking like, you know, are our neighbors having a party or my parents having a party? What's going on here? And, you know, I would sneak out of my room and this was before I started sleeping in my brother's room, but I would sneak out of my room, kind of see, you know, if there was fun afoot without me. So I would walk around and I wouldn't see anything, you know, no one in the house, the house is quiet. So then I would go sleep in my brother's room and then like I would sleep on the floor, even though I had a perfectly good room and come to find out it was coming from across the street. And I'd look out the window and over, you know, at the opera house and there wasn't anything there. There weren't any cars. Everything was dark, but there was music coming from it. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, who knows? But then come to find out it was actually shut down in 1977 and we didn't actually live there until the mid 80s. Yeah, I mean, that has to be a unique experience, especially for a child to experience that. Yeah. I mean, definitely opens eyes a little bit. I mean, too bad you weren't a little older. You could have crept over there and tried to go inside and see if you could see anything. But I don't even think as a middle-aged adult that I would do that. I mean, if it was enough paranormal energy to create that much ruckus, can you imagine what it would be like to actually be amongst it, like in it? Well, I imagine that'd be something you'd have to call the Ghostbusters for. But... Probably. But yeah, I remember being absolutely terrified and just, you know, not understanding what was happening. But now that I'm older, looking back on it, I'm like, oh, that's probably what it was. Yeah. I mean, public places like that. I mean, I've heard tales of bars in the Old West that have tons of spirits running around, shooting off guns, and you could hear it. And it just right. places see, like Places right, that have a lot also... of... Go ahead, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, but places that have a lot of historical significance and whatnot can always hold on to energy somehow. I mean, it's one of the phenomenons of our universe that no right. one really under- understands fully yet, at least. Right, I mean, and I always grew up in a house where, like, if something happened that wasn't explained or if I had, you know, quote-unquote, an imaginary friend or anything like that, my parents were never the type of parents that would try and just brush it under the rug as an imaginary friend. I think a lot of people are sensitive to paranormal activity, but I think as they get older, society and maybe even their own parents kind of desensitize them to it by telling them that it's their imagination and eventually they just aren't as perceptive to it anymore. So luckily, I think because my parents didn't do that, and didn't try to de- you know, desensitize me or make me what society says is normal, like, oh, those things don't happen. I think that probably has contributed to my, you know, long history of paranormal activities because I've remained sensitive to it. Yeah, I mean, and to reiterate something you were kind of questioning in the beginning, the word is sensitive. I mean, that's what they call people who are able to experience this stuff is they're sensitive to it. Right. They're, I mean, they're just open to it. I mean, and it, it's been proven that kids are a lot more open to this than adults are. And it's kind of like that movie, baby genius where like, once you hit that certain threshold at like three or four, like you don't you, a lot of the world, you may see a lot more of the world before you turn that age than you do after it. Right. I mean, that movie's just a good reference point for that, but, <laughs> and I love that movie. It's a classic, but right. Yeah. I was never blessed with the sense of to see this type of stuff at all. I have 
seen nothing until recent years. And that's only because I've been trying to be open to it for so long now that I think it's finally just starting to sink in. Right. You kind of have to open that pathway for yourself and, and nurture it. I mean, when I was a kid, I would just daydream about dinosaurs being outside my house and like me trying to hide from a T-Rex. But that also might have been after I saw Jurassic Park. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so what was the next thing that happened to you in your life? Well, the next major event, I guess we could call it, was probably when I was, mm, I would say between nine and 11. Again, I'm referencing this based on a time frame, like as far as like what grade I was in um, at the time, especially when you're a military brat, that's kind of how you gauge things. Um, So I would say between nine and 11, I lived in a small town and we had moved into a split level home. And I don't want to discuss the the location or anything. I'd like to keep that private out of respect for the owner. But um, we lived in a small town and I had a bedroom and it looked like it had been decorated to be a nursery. It had like a, a sky blue paint job and then it had like rainbow trim and being nine or 10, a little girl, you're like, sweet care bears. So I went with it. (laughs) And so then as I lived there with my family, we rented it. We didn't buy it. Um, I kept getting this smell of like women's perfume. And it was a distinct smell. You know how everybody kind of has a distinct smell to them? Not, I'm not saying they stink, but like if you have someone in your life that passes away and you, you grab their clothing and you smell it, you just, you smell them. Yeah, I yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, and yes, there are plenty of people that have stink to them. Don't get every everybody's worked with one of those guys that or one of those girls where it's just like every time they walk by, you're just like, oh my god, right? But this is not the, that the, at the all. Job, actually, the job. Well, funny, funny story. The job I had before COVID, uh, we hired this guy to be a technician and just break down like computers and laptops, and. I swear to God, he would wear the same clothes for Ugh. seven, eight, seven, eight days in a row. Like we literally had like a tally on the one whiteboard in the warehouse and we, did, we just didn't mark what it was, but we kept a tally of how many days in a row he would wear the same sweatpants and hoodie. Oh, Lord. And like, and he stank to high heaven. Like, oh, oh my no. God. Like, I'm not going to name names or anything or even say what the company name was, but anybody who worked right. with me there knows, knows who I'm talking about. But yeah. I, I, I kind of doubt they'll hear this podcast anytime soon anyway. So. <laughs> And, this... and the last thing is Care Bears are not just for girls. I loved Care Bears when I was oh, like Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but this was not an offensive smell at all. It was almost comforting. I couldn't, I, I couldn't figure out where the smell was coming from. And I would just smell it at random times. Um, like as I'd walk through the house, you know, it, and not necessarily in a specific spot but it would be in different places in the house and I could never place it. It wasn't a smell that I recognized as a member of my family or immediate family or friends or anything. It was just an out of place smell. And one spring our landlord had decided he wanted to rebuild the deck on the back of the house. So he asked my dad if he wouldn't mind coming over. He had some supplies in the garage And he asked if my dad wouldn't mind coming over to help him move them because my dad had a pickup truck. So we go over there and me being a daddy's girl wanted to go with. 
And so we get there and we're loading stuff from, or I'm not loading because I don't do manual labor at that age, but um, I'm playing with the dogs, you know, running around outside and in the garage and stuff, chasing the little puppy. And then I'm struck with that smell again, like in their garage. And I'm like, and I kind of stop in my tracks and I'm like, what in the world? So then I look and me being a curious kid, I'm like, there was a box there and it had like dolls and stuff on it and some, some clothes. And I asked the landlord, not even trying to be rude or anything. I'm like, what's that? And, you know, cause I kind of associated the smell with it. Like the items smelled like that, or, you know, like that smell that I smelled. And I'm like, what is that? And he's like, oh, those are my wife's things. And I'm like, oh, can I, is she home? And he's like, you know, he kind of stopped for a second and he's like, no, honey. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I hear him telling my dad, he was like, that's weird. And my dad's like, what? And he's like, my wife passed away when we lived at your house. Um, she got in a car accident when she was seven months pregnant, Oof. which is right. Which is why they didn't, he didn't stay in the house, why he rented it out because he couldn't stay there anymore. So yeah, I understand. totally understandable, right. of course. But. Yeah. So I think that, you know, maybe she was, I don't know. I don't know if she was trying to send a message. I don't know if she was, it wasn't a malevolent thing or malevolent thing or anything. No. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't, it was almost comforting, but it was yeah. definitely a smell that I found again in his garage near his wife's things. And I don't know. I if it was just because the item still smelled like her or if she was there, but I was definitely I mean, the only one smelling it. It could go either way, really. I mean, I, as much as I always hate to on all these episodes, I'm going to have to play a skeptic at some points just to be that. Absolutely. To be that dick. <laughs> Absolutely. Every, every paranormal fan hates to be the skeptic, but we all got to think rationally once in a while. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I have for that defense though is, if it was a, a perfume, she wore constantly, and the perfume was so strong it was still lingering on the on her belongings. Which I don't know how long the time was before since she passed, like when all this happened. But how so, long did it get in our house, or how did it get in our house? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I've heard also of people being able to smell certain smells when a ghost is around too. I mean, yeah, I've heard of, I've heard of houses where it smells like cigars whenever the spirits around and you'll notice that as we go through my experiences a lot of my experiences are tied to smell or maybe that's just how your mind comprehended them and that's how because i mean who knows how especially in the mind of a child Mm -hmm. how all this like your mind could do so many different things to explore the different ways like they could see this i mean Mm -hmm. we don't know what we do with most of our brains for god's sake so right it's totally could be, I mean, it's a mind cluster just thinking about it. <laughs> but, right. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a little, I mean, that's not even creepy. It's just interesting, basically. Right. Which, and, I mean, that's a good thing. Less creepy, more interesting is the better right. way to have your experiences. But. <laughs> <laughs> and then as I got older, that trend kind of continued. Um, I would say when I was around 13 or so. We moved to a house that we had purchased. Well, I didn't purchase it. My parents purchased it. And it was a ranch house. And it was definitely giving off that, like, 70s vibe. And 
every room had wood paneling, <laughs> you know, the, the kind I'm talking about that, you know. Oh, God, the, yes, I know. With the shag carpeting to go with it. Yes. So every room, like as soon as the living room had it, the kitchen didn't. It had paint. But as soon as you stepped in the hallway, you were greeted with three bedrooms down a hallway that was all wood paneled with like built-in wood panel, like uh, linen closet and all of that. And all of these bedrooms were wood paneled as well, except mine. And it's weird because I'm like, well, why wouldn't my room be wood paneled? And I'm in sixth grade. So I'm just like, you know, cool. My room's different, you know? It's painted. Awesome. So after a while, I would go to sleep in my room and then I would start smelling. When I say sulfur, it always sounds negative, like rotten eggs, but that's not what it was. It was, see, I'm the type of person that actually enjoys the smell of a burning match. Oh, me too. 100%. I like that smell. And that's the kind of smell I was smelling. And I'm just like, that's weird. And, you know, it gets stronger and then it would go away. And it wasn't anywhere but my room. Like, I'm like, what in the world? Then I never really brought it up. You know, I'm just like, eh, whatever. And then um, one day I was walking home with my next door neighbor. And we had bought the home from a little old lady, a little old single lady. And my next door neighbor, she was a great ahead of me, asked me, she's like, did you hear what happened in your house? And I'm like, no. And she proceeded to tell me that the husband of the little lady that we had purchased the home from had committed suicide in the home. He had shot himself in my bedroom, which is why there was no wood paneling. They had to remove it. And painted. (laughs) Thank goodness for that. So I remember like kind of freaking out a little bit because, you know, I sleep there. And I remember asking my parents, you know, did somebody kill themselves in my bedroom? And I remember my mom saying, yes. I said, well, why didn't you tell me that? And she said, because I didn't want to freak you out. I mean, I don't blame her. 100%. Right, but I'm would... sitting here thinking I'm a crazy person because I'm smelling like gunpowder. <laughs> Actually, that's that, that's exactly what I was gonna say. I mean, instead of a sulfury rotten egg smell like de- like people, which people usually categorize with demons, right? I mean, you you probably smelled like the the left the remnants of the gunpowder smell that he was from him offing himself. Right. I mean. That's the best way I could think to put it. Exactly. And, you know, once again, we're tying it in with that, that smell, the, the sense of smell, you know, with my, my sensitivity. And then I kind of had like a, I don't know if it was a lull, but I had quite a few years that I can think of where it was kind of, I don't know if it was on a back burner or I had so much going on in my life that I kind of overlooked anything that might happen. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure we all did at some point in our lives, but question about the seventies looking house. (laughs) Um, 
Did you ever, in like, as you got older and as the internet came around, like, try to Google and find an article about it? No. I, I mean, I know her name and just kind of out of respect for her and possibly him. I mean, I knew who it was and I knew that he had a chronic condition that, or, you know, Uh one that would eventually turn fatal and he took his life to end his suffering. Oh, so, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, that's com- that, that's a completely different situation than it, right. It wasn't it, like super traumatic, you know. Like yeah. it wasn't like he walked. It wasn't like he walked in on his wife cheating on him, and then he blew his brains out. Right. right? It was, you know, kind of a. I want to end my suffering. I guess they in any suicide, that's what they're thinking. But in his, it was a way to end his physical suffering. And he Which was old, I, you know. So yeah. There really wasn't any, you know, drama to go with it. It was just a very sad situation. So, you know, I wanted to respect both him and his widow because I essentially had all the information that I needed to know oh, as far oh, yeah. as, you know, what happened there. Yeah, see, I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize you knew all that. So that's yeah. why I was. I mean, okay, so that, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have looked, I wouldn't have had to Google it later than her rank. Right, and it's the same with, you know, the house in the small town. Um, I got all the information that I needed, you know, from hearing the conversation. And I was really young at the house in the small town with the, the wife that passed, you know, while she was pregnant in a car accident. I was young, and I honestly don't remember the landlord's name I mean I could go back to you know to property records from I still remember the address but um and I could google property records and find out and go from there but I really don't feel the need to do that just because I kind of out of respect for them I know what happened and you know just kind of leave that at rest yeah I mean the other question I have about the house that was, I'm going to call it that 70s house mm-hmm. <laughs> because of the show. <laughs> right. And that's what um, it reminds me of. Oh, I would love to live in that house. It's, I mean, I've lived in houses that were, I've been in houses that were built in the 70s and they're like the same design and everything. And it's freaking awesome. It's like a time capsule. Yeah. But did you ever actually see like a shadow person per se, or was it just shadows on the wall that would take different shapes? It would be more. Like, I would see something out of my peripheral vision. Like, I would see movement out of, like, my side eye. And then I'd look to, to stare, to look on it straight ahead. And it wouldn't be there. Oh, okay. That happens in my house all the time. I live in yeah. currently. I mean, like, and out I of the corner of my eye, I'll see something fly by. And, yeah. and, of course, you turn around, there's nothing there. But, I mean, I've had paranormal investigators in my house back in December before Christmas and they basically said the couple that lived here that built and lived in this house previously uh, are still here. And yeah. They like, to wa- they like to watch after the kids, according to the investigators. That's, I mean, they were using divining rods and asking them questions. And if, the, if it was a yes, they'd push them together. If it was a no, they'd push them apart. Yep. I've used those before. Now I do I don't remember. <laughs> I do no, remember. No, no, no. Go ahead. I do remember the house. It had, it was like an A-frame house, but it was 
like a ranch house, but then the attic had been converted to be like another bedroom. So you'd walk up these really narrow stairs and there was like a little room with a built-in desk. And then you go through another little door and it was another room that had a built-in like bookshelf and a book in built-in dresser. And I remember I was originally going to use that room because, you know, it was pink and it was cool and I was so excited about it. But then whenever I was up there, I just got the creeps. So it kind of turned into just like a, a playroom where we would keep all of our, or I would keep all of my, my dolls and my Barbies and everything up there. And then I would just go up there and play. And I was really the only person that ever went up there. And it was painted kind of like this blush paint. I guess it was more of like a mauve color. And then I would be up there playing and I don't know what it was. I, I'm not saying it's blood or anything, but there were chunks of what looked like dried blood, but it was like three, not 3D, but it, it had, it wasn't just a smear. It was, it had substance like stuck to the wall. Chunks. Yeah. Chunks. Right. <laughs> And I, I don't, I, to this day, I don't know what they were. I don't know if, like... Mold? <laughs> well, no, it was like a, it looked like, it was like a, a rust color. And it didn't oh. have any consistent pattern to it. It just random places it had it. It almost looked, and this is going to sound so disgusting, but it almost looked like someone wiped, like, a snotty, bloody booger on there. But it wasn't a booger. It was like, you yeah. know, it was very like concentrated color it wasn't opaque at all so it was very weird and I could not be up there at night because it creeped me out um after I moved out my mom who lived there by herself would I'd come up to visit her and she was on oxygen 24 hours a day there's no way she could climb those stairs and I would go visit her. I lived in the, in Des Moines after I moved out and I would come back to visit her and the upstairs lights would be on. It uh, had, yeah, that's, that's creepy. <laughs> it had two windows, one on each side of the house, one that faced the street and one that faced the back side of the house. And those are the only two windows. And then as soon as you parked on the street, you would see this window at the very top of the house on. And I'd have to go up there and I'd have to turn it off. And it was, I mean, I could understand the ones in the back of the house because the, the light switch is at, was at the bottom of the stairs. So you could just reach in before you wouldn't even have to go up the stairs. But if you were going to go into the room that faced the street, you would have to go all the way up the stairs around, go past the desk and into the other little room to be able to turn those lights on. Yeah, which, I mean, there's no way your mother could do that. No, so. she was... I mean, she'd have to carry an oxygen tank up the second steepest flight of stairs I've ever seen in my life. That wasn't happening. Yeah, that's just unrealistic to be happening on a normal basis. And I mean, well, we all know that spirits can mess with, electric with electrical outlets and electrical, mm -hmm. anything electrical they basically mess with and just turn yeah. on, turn off. But so basically it was just shadows and a smell and then Anything else creepy happened in that house over the years or not really? The lights um, and like the, the spots up in that room. Um, 
No, not anything that I can like put my finger on. It was just more of an overwhelming sense. It, it wasn't really activity. It was just a consistent presence in the home. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard, I've known people who live in houses like that and it's not pleasant. And it's no. not like he was like fucking with me or anything. It's not like he was like, ha you know, jokes on you. It was just like he and I shared the space. Like maybe he was living in his dimension and I was living in mine and just like parallel universes. Yeah, actually, that's very similar to a story I heard today on Odd Trails podcast about a ghost telling a kid that the person who owns the house now is just borrowing it from him until until he wants it back. Yeah. Which, that was creepy, so. But. Well, it is creepy when you think about it. Now that I'm sitting here and I'm like, great. that I probably just had a ghost roommate. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I've seen Could being be human. I've seen being human, and it, it seems pretty fun at times. Have you ever seen the movie The Entity? don't believe so. Oh, you would know it if you had seen it. It was about this woman who has, it's an older movie, I would say like eight, late 80s probably, and I believe it's Barbara Hershey. But she has a, like a poltergeist that sexually assaults her in her home, and it's based on a true story. I've heard of it. I definitely have heard people or podcasts talk about it. And it is intense. It. Yeah, it's it's insane and it's terrifying for someone who is sensitive to experiences like that's my ultimate nightmare because I don't want to give away too much of the movie but it's I mean they can follow you and it's scary because oh yeah they can, they attach can follow they can. You, absolutely there's no getting away nope they can so. attach themselves for life if they want right I mean. and that kind of brings me to my next experience one that actually physically touched me and that you know that's probably the most scary experience I've had in my life and I know that they tell people that when they have a near-death experience sometimes it makes them even more sensitive um but probably about six years ago or so and I said you know there had been kind of a lull in my experiences but about six years ago um I had a near-death experience. Um, I had my colon rupture. That's not fun. Okay. So I had had my colon rupture, and I spent six weeks in ICU where I was in intensive care because I was septic and, you know, in and out of consciousness for the good part of six weeks. And then after that, I had to go to a care facility or a nursing home where they assisted me in the last three or four weeks of my recovery. And this was just to get me to a position where I was healthy enough to have surgery. So I went home after my surgery and anybody who has had stomach surgery knows that laying down and getting back up is probably one of the most painful things you'll ever experience in your life. Oh, trust me. I know. I yeah. I just had gastric bypass surgery three yep. weeks ago now, basically. And I mean, I slept in bed the next night, but the yeah. first couple of days, the first couple of days getting in and out of bed was hell. Yeah. So my mother, bless her heart, got a recliner for me and put it in the living room. 
So that way I would have an easier time getting up and down. And plus I still had like drain tubes coming out of me and she didn't want me to pull those out in my sleep, you know, if I got tangled or anything. So I remember sleeping in this recliner in the living room by myself. Um, My mother was sleeping in her room. Um, She had slept out in the living room with me, living room with me for the first few days in case I needed anything. And then my daughter slept on the floor in case I needed anything. And then eventually I was just like, stop babying me, everybody to their own beds, except me, I will sleep in the recliner. So the first night I kept waking up with just, I felt restless and just like I was being watched. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm just being paranoid because at the time I was, you know, still on pain medication and all that good stuff. So I'm like, I'm probably hallucinating or, you know, whatever it may be. And then after I got the tubes removed and everything, I still spent a few nights in the recliner just because it was still difficult to get up and down, you know, with the incisions in my stomach. So I remember one night specifically, I had a very, very realistic dream where I felt like someone was holding me down, like just forcefully holding me down, like where I couldn't breathe, I couldn't get air in my chest. And I felt like I was like thrashing, but I don't think that I was because I was, you know, laying on my back in a recliner. There's really not much thrashing that can be done there. So I woke up, you know, feeling like I couldn't catch my breath. You know, when you have a nightmare and you wake up and you're like, (sighs) you know, you're just trying to catch your breath. So I decide, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom, I'm going to get a drink of water, and then I'm going to go back to sleep. So I walk into the bathroom and do my business, and then I'm getting a drink of water, and I look in the mirror, and I have a visible red handprint on my chest. And I sent you a picture of it, um, because it, it struck me as scary enough to actually take a physical picture of it. And I put my hand over it. And it was so much bigger than my own hand. And no matter what way I tried to move my hand, I couldn't position it in the same position. And not only that, but I was laying on my back. So it's not like I was laying on my hand. You know, sometimes if you lay on your your hand, you know, or your foot underneath your thigh and you stand up, you'll have a footprint. Like where your thigh was, it'll be red. But, you know, those things just weren't like plausible. So that was the first time I remember actually being scared of. Yeah, I would be definitely scared. (laughs) And it was in an apartment and, you know, you don't know the history of apartments. You know, when you move into them, you don't know what kind of, you know, if anybody had died there or anything. And I do remember I had, my mom had this mirror that was her great-grandparents' mirror. And it hung in the dining room between the living room and the hallway. And ever since we moved in, I would see that out of the corner of my eye situation again, where I'd see something move in that mirror and I'd look over there and there wasn't anything there. And depending on your beliefs, a lot of times people certain beliefs believe that a mirror is a gateway. Oh, I mean, that's not even a belief thing. I mean, that's just 
I mean, he has nothing. I mean, I don't think he has anything to do with belief systems, really. Even I think that's just a common belief. I mean, yeah. that goes back to the ancient world. Like, I mean, I have ancient- one mirror in my entire apartment, and that is in my bathroom. I do not have a mirror in my bedroom. Um, I've never had a mirror where it can see me while I'm sleeping. Yeah, I've known people that have felt like that before too. I mean, I don't even mirrors. have anything reflective that can look that I can see my reflection in when I'm sleeping. No TV, nothing. Yeah, I couldn't do that. Yeah, I don't even <laughs> I, have a TV I, in my room. I always need a TV in my room since I was like 12, yeah. like 10. But yeah. no, I mean, I I get where people are coming from with that. I mean, I 100% believe mirrors can be portals to whatever, spirit world, whatever you want to call it, other dimensions. I mean, but I just never had that experience in mirrors. Like, I never saw anything in them that wasn't there, like, really. Right. It wasn't visible without the mirror. I, I never had that experience. I know people personally who have. So I'm not one to judge because I truly believe it can happen. And it's even scarier when you when everybody that lives in the place is accounted for and you don't have pets. Like, you know, if I had a cat or a dog or something, I could definitely chalk it up to, oh, the cat walked by and like I saw a movement of a tail or something. But we didn't have any pets. Yeah, there's no there's nothing to blame it on or right. excuse, excuse it away with. And it it's wasn't just ever anything crazy. like super obvious. It's not like I looked in the mirror and saw someone. It was always just that fleeting image off of my peripheral vision, you know, that. And I never, honestly, I was a chicken shit. It's not like I ever saw something and walked over to the mirror. I'm like, show yourself. No. <laughs> I did not have that fuck around and find out mentality growing up. Yeah, I never did either growing up. And even to this day, I still question what I would actually do if I could investigate like a famous haunted jail or asylum or anything right. like that. Like, like even Alcatraz, like, would I really want to walk those halls alone? I don't know if I would. But right. <laughs> And I mean, then I just heard too many right. stories. And honestly, that is probably the scariest um, encounter I've had. That's the only one that I could interpret as, like, I don't want to say evil, but as malevolent. Yeah, malevolent. However you say it, malevolent. Malevolent. Yeah. Yeah. Might edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> but. That one, that one scared me, and I did kind of tune out a lot of the sensitivity after that because I was worried that something I had done or that had happened to me had maybe opened up some kind of, like, door to something evil. And I, yeah, I was actually, I was actually going to ask, like, do you think something happened during the surgery where? Maybe for a second, like, did anything happen during the surgery for, like, where, like, they said that you were gone for a second or something like that? I do know that when they first said that they were going to do the surgery, they estimated that it would be a five-hour surgery, which in itself is a, a lengthy surgery. Yeah, it is. Um, but I remember my daughter telling me that it ended up being more like 12. Holy shit. I can't remember if it was 12 or 18. Either one's crazy. I mean, 18 right. is just crazier. So I like think, the fact I mean, that you'd be under anesthesia that long. Right. <laughs> I definitely think being under anesthesia that long probably was as close to death as I have ever been. I mean, I think 
when you're under anesthesia, maybe there's some crossover there, just, or at least when you're under that long. So did, did you ever think of the possibility that maybe something followed you back from an afterlife of some kind? I mean, right. I'm not one to yeah. say I believe in the afterlife even, but I mean, I, being, yes. a, being agnostic, agnostic, like I am, I, I'm open to all possibilities, right. but I just don't believe in any particular afterlife, but maybe something not so nice followed you back. Right. And I do, I do think about that. I have definitely given that thought and I, I think that maybe my, my psychic aura or whatever it may have been may not have my aura of protection for myself may not have been that strong at that time because whatever it was, it seemed to kind of be a one and done thing. Like it wasn't yeah. the kind of thing that was consistently attacking me. I, I remember, and maybe it was, you know, just less dramatic and that's the only one that I remember, but um, yeah, that handprint was definitely noticeable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the picture. It's been a while since you sent me that, but I mean, I've seen that picture, and it definitely, if I saw that in the mirror in the morning, I would definitely be turning white as a ghost myself. And This was like 2 o'clock, or between 2 and 3 in the morning, because I know everybody says between 2 and 3 is the witching hour, um, when the veil is the thinnest. But I remember, I, I have always, ever since I was a kid, woken up between 2 and 3 consistently every day. Yeah, no, that's the time of night I don't want to be up because, yes, three, 3 o'clock is technically the witching hour. Yeah. And, and yeah, no, I I mean, I've had to leave my girlfriend's old house she, how she used to live in when I would, would work, would sleep there to work, and I'd have to leave, like, at 4 or 5 in the morning, and even then it's creepy as hell. And, I, I mean, her, I knew her house was haunted to begin with, but I would not want to be getting, going downstairs at 2 or 3 with everybody else asleep. Like, no. Right. So I kind of, and I, I would say probably two years after that, I moved out and I was with my daughter. We were running errands and my mom still lived in the same apartment and my mom did not have the best of health. She had COPD, sleep apnea. She was on oxygen 24 hours a day. She was severely agoraphobic. She didn't leave her home. Um, so one day I just had this urge, my daughter wanted to go see her and I just, I said, okay. So we drove and it was just a real quick visit. My, my daughter just wanted to run in and give her a hug and I stayed in the car and I'm like, okay, I'll stay in the car, just run in and give Nana a hug and, you know, take her garbage out for her and, you know, we'll go and be on our way and we get home and I got this overwhelming smell (laughs) and again with the smells and this one this one's a hard one um of fried chicken and anybody that knew my mom knew that fried chicken (laughs) was her favorite she loved to cook it she loved to eat it she loved everything about it and I was sitting there and I got this overwhelming smell of fried chicken and I'm like well that's weird maybe maybe the neighbor's cooking or something And then I got really sick over the night. I mean, enough to where I had to call in sick the next day from work. And I remember laying in bed and I get a call. 
and I don't pick it up because who picks up calls from numbers they don't know. And it is a police officer asking me to return his call. And my first thought is, shit, what did I do? Like, I, I've gotten one traffic ticket in my life. Like, what in the world? So my, my gut tells me, I'm like, oh, call my mom because they probably stopped by there first looking for me. So maybe she knows what's going on. And I call and I don't get an answer. I get her voicemail, which is, you know, not a big deal. She might be in the bathroom. She might be sleeping. Who knows? So, or she might be in the middle of her show, Bad Girls Club, which she absolutely loved. <laughs> so, it's basically, and my mom liked prison shows. She liked anything that, she liked Black Ink Crew, anything with a lot of drama that had any type of yelling, she loved. The more bleeping they had to do of the show, the better. She absolutely just loved that stuff. So I call back and I don't get an answer. So I leave our voicemail saying, hey, mom, give me a call back. The police just called me and they're looking for me and I don't know what's going on. And then I call back the number that the police officer left me and it goes to dispatch. And I'm like, oh, of course, it's going to go to dispatch. And then while I'm leaving a message for dispatch, the officer calls me again. And proceeds to tell me that, unfortunately, they, my mom had an in-home nurse that came every other day to check on her and make sure she was doing okay. And um, they went for their visit and she didn't answer her door. She would normally, when she was up and around, she'd unlock the door. And then when they'd knock, she'd just holler, come on in. And they would go in and do her business. But she didn't holler, come on in. So they used their key thinking, okay, maybe she forgot or something. And they found her on her kitchen floor. She had passed away the day before. Roughly, it had to be after we had seen her, after my daughter went in and saw her. And from the time after I, I said, you know, I talked to her to say goodnight. So it was probably around the time I smelled that fried chicken smell. Yeah, I was going to say it would probably line up and that would make sense. I mean, yeah. I've definitely heard of people smelling certain smells or hearing certain sounds right when they're a loved one or someone they really care about that they're been, they've been cared about for years passing yeah. away. I've definitely heard of that before and it's a very, I wouldn't say common, but... It's not com- uncommon. It's com- it's almost comforting. Like once you know, like when you when it's happening, you just write it off. But then when you find out that a loved one has passed, and then I remember that smell, I feel like it's almost my mom saying goodbye. Like she was visiting you before she moved on. Yeah, which has happened plenty of times in the past of people not even being gone yet but they still visit someone in, as a spirit and just mm-hmm. let them let them know that they love them or they're going to miss them or right whatever they want to say really and then the next experience that I had that was similar to that was I was working one day and I worked from home and I just got this like overwhelming smell again <laughs> and it was of fried potatoes 
<laughs> I don't I guess all my comfort smells are food, but I smell I can't fried, you there. Yeah, I smelled fried potatoes. You know that distinct cast iron smell of potatoes in a, in a skillet. It's a very distinct smell and you would know it anywhere. Oh, you're killing me. I can't eat potatoes for like I don't know how many months. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I mentioned it to my friends. I text them and I'm like, man, this is making me miss my grams because my grandmother always made fried potatoes when I was, you know, sick or on Sundays when we'd go over for breakfast or, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that she made. And I remember telling my friends, I was like, man, this is making me miss my grams. And my grandmother was in a nursing home and could not have visitors due to COVID. So we would talk on the phone and stuff, but um, her hearing aids had broken, so she couldn't really talk on the phone. So I had gotten her a tablet so that we could FaceTime. And I was like, I don't care if I have to write what I want to say so she can read it. You know, I never, I don't want her anything to happen to her without her being able to see me tell her that I love her. So I was telling my friends, I was like, man, this is really making me miss my grams. And I had been working with the nursing home, figuring out who, you know, if they had someone that could help her work the iPad and all that. And then the next day I get a call from my cousin and He's like, you know, hey, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. And he proceeds to tell me that Graham's passed away the afternoon before. So around the same time, you were smelling the potatoes again. Yep. Once again. Mm-hmm. Yep. So again, you know, one of those, those core memory smells associated with a loved one that's passed. And when I mentioned it my, to my friends, I had no idea. No idea my grams had passed. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was her way of letting you know ahead of time, even if you right. didn't put two, even if you didn't put two and two together right away. Because I mean, right. who would? Who would just instantly think they smell potatoes and oh, my grandma's dying? But you I know, mean, honestly, not- I've gotten to that point now where if I smell something, I will ask my friends and family, "Does this smell mean anything to you?" So because- basically, if you sm- basically if you smell weed, you know Jamie's dying. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> But I, it's gotten to the point where I have begun to have smell sensitivity for my friends and loved ones. Um, one of my best friends, I call her, she's one of my soul sisters. I don't have much family left anymore. I have my daughter and my two best friends that are the world to me. And my friend Kira recently within the last year or so lost her grandmother who she was very, very close to. Um, She was essentially like her mother. She raised her and Kira was having a rough week. So I had it in my mind that I wanted to like set up a little like pick me up for her. And Kira is one of those moms that always puts her kids first and never ever does anything special for herself. So I went and she lives in a different town. So it's not like I could just go drop things off at her door. But I set up a Walmart pickup for her 
like essentially like a little goodie bag of things that would just kind of, you know, perk her up like some coffee and just little fancy things that she would never buy for herself because she's too busy worrying about everyone else. And of course, I know she's going to listen to this too. So shout out to you, Kara. Um, so I started just putting random things in this cart. And then all of a sudden, I got this, this smell. And it was a very distinct smell. It was a lime outshine bar. And it's, I mean, it's so specific. And I was like, no, I'm not going to get her lime outshine bar. She doesn't even like lime. Like, no, I'm not getting those for her. I smelled it even stronger. And it almost felt like someone was saying, get her the damn outshine bars. So I'm like, whatever. I'll put them in the cart and I'll get them for her. So then I have her go pick it up. And she messages me and she's like, I am literally crying right now. And I'm like, you're welcome. And she's like, no, you don't understand. Her grandmother, whose name was Dana, um, like when she was so sick, the lime outshine bars were pretty much all she would eat. Yeah. So like, it's almost like her grandmother had told me to get the outshine bars to make Kira feel better, to let her know that she was with her. Yeah, which I totally believe something like that could happen. I mean, yeah. spirits try to help their loved ones when they can. I fully believe that if they do exist. I mean, I do believe they exist, but I know not, not everybody does, but I believe right. the majority, majority of people are believing it now, which this is why the show is the show is called what it is because paranormal is becoming the new normal to most people right and it's what's funny is because i know like she will not eat lime candy she won't eat lime jello lime yogurt nothing it will like she always laughs at our other friend kelly and i because we get excited about the lime only skittles bags and she's like that's disgusting she hates lime and she got those and she actually loved them and it was such a like a specific smell. It wasn't just lime, but that smell took me directly to lime outshine bars. And she sent me a picture of her grandmother eating an outshine bar, a lime outshine bar. It was the cutest thing. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like actually, you, I mean, most of these are not even like creepy experiences, which of course they don't have to be for any reason. Right. I mean, it's just a lot of them are sweet almost, which actually I was thinking about the experience with your mother. And mm-hmm. you, your daughter wanted to go over there the day before to just to see her. Mm-hmm. Did Do you think your daughter is sensitive as well? Oh, very, very much so. Very much so. And I think that's a lot of it is because I raised her or continue to raise her the same way that I was raised. Like never telling her, oh, that's just your imagination or anything like that. She is just as sensitive as I am, just in different ways. Like my sensitivity seems to come in smells and hers is almost like memory. Like she has memories of things that she shouldn't really have memories of. Uh, I mean, yeah, I've, I have slight memories of that too. I have slight memories like that too, like from being like, almost two years old and remembering one specific moment that when your parents tell you about it, you're like, Oh yeah, I remember that. And my parents always just never believe me that I remember it. 
I mean, mine in particular is pushing my brother over in his wooden bassinet when he first came home from the hospital. But just that sibling rivalry from day one. <laughs> well, hers was more like um, she would, when she was real young, about three or four, she actually, I was married, this was before my divorce, but she would actually have conversations with my mother-in-law, my, my husband at the time's mother, about her husband that had passed away and she had never met him. Mm, that's, I mean, that's definitely not unusual. I've heard, we, we've yeah. all heard of that before, but yeah, that's interesting as it could be. I mean, yeah. And that's what I say when, you know, like she has memories that she shouldn't have, like she never met the man. So how would she have memories of him? Yeah. I mean, or, I mean, it even could go down the road of being like a past life type of thing mm-hmm. where, where maybe she, maybe in a past life, she was related to the man and she knew him or something like that. Could be. And I mean, neighbors it's such a strange or... world. I mean, I wouldn't put anything past it. But yeah, she's definitely just as sensitive as I am, just, you know, in a different uh, medium, I would say. Oh, yeah. She has to grow into it, I'm sure, just mm-hmm. like you did. Yep. But so any other experience? Experiences you want to talk about before we move on to the final part of this or not that I can think of I I would say you know it's just those are the only memories that stand out as actual events I would say that I have lived a life of paranormal like moments but those are the ones that I would consider events. All right. Well, I mean, that's definitely, that's more paranormal experiences than I ever had. And it's definitely (laughs) a a good size list. So I'm not going to complain at all. And I wouldn't anyway. All right. So let's move on to the, what I plan on doing at the end of every episode of this podcast, if the guest is willing, is a little game, well, game slash discussion more that I am thinking I'm going to call what do you want to believe? Okay. And basically what it is, is I'm just going to name off different paranormal creatures that supposedly exist in this world. And I want to hear whether you believe or not. And if you, and if you want to give reasoning for either way, be my guest. Okay. All right. We'll start off with it. We like, I like to start us off with the easy one. What do you think of, what lake slash sea monsters basically just water monsters in general like champ or Loch Ness monster or ogopogo i mean i can name a thousand but i i don't i don't believe in it only because and maybe it's just because we lack the thrill of unsolved mysteries nowadays Like, we don't have Robert Stack showing us this shit anymore. But you would think with all of our technological advances and exploration that we would find more than just grainy pictures and unexplained stories. I would think that we would have more, like, at least we would have found a damn body or, you know, like, some skeletal remains or something would have washed up somewhere or, you know, when they were down there fucking around with the Titanic, you'd think they would have found something. So I'm going to stamp a no on that one. Wait a minute. Are you saying you think a uh, sea monster took down the Titanic? 
No, I'm saying whole, like that's a whole nother rabbit hole we go down. <laughs> I'm just saying in the you know umpteen hours they explored the Titanic and had to dive so deep down into the water, you think they would have caught something? Or when they do you know searches for other wreckage or you know anything like that, you would think that they would find some trace of something. And I, since there hasn't been, I think you know I think how do I explain this? Like the grainy pictures and shit that were back in the eighties and stuff. I think it's because there was something out there, whether it be like a whale or something, but I think our photographic technology and equipment was so shitty and it was so out of focus that we couldn't tell what it was. So we're just coming up with anything. And I think now that we have the technological advances for photography and videography and all of that, um, I think that the pictures are so clearer, so much clearer that they're like, instead of like, oh, is that possibly a Loch Ness monster? They're like, oh, it's a whale. And that's why we don't really hear about any potential sightings of Nessie or Ovapogo or. I mean, but you also know the fact that we know more about the surface of the moon than we know about the bottom of the ocean. Very right? true. I mean, I mean, the the bottom of the ocean, especially in places around like the Mariana Trench or the Bermuda Triangle is no one can go that deep yet. We don't have the technology. I mean, right. we're getting closer, but, and also, I mean, if these creatures, which most of them are believed to be from the dinosaur age, just left behind and they were able to survive because they lived in water. So maybe they're just, they've adapted to being very good at hiding. I mean, that's personally my belief on it, at least, is I just think they are, they've adapted, they've evolved and adapted to being very good at hiding and, but there has I mean, to be one dumbass Loch Ness monster in the history of man that got lost or something that, you know, their mom was an uncle fucker or something. And it's it's dumb and <laughs> it like wandered somewhere it wasn't supposed to and washed up on a shore. You'd think that would happen at least one time. And it's never um, happened. There have been pictures and videos of things that have washed up on the shores of Asia and, and Europe and even some American beaches in the last 10 years that basically the video or pictures are up for a few days and then they just disappear and it's weird. Like it's just like all of a sudden the government or something covers up the body and like makes everybody stop talking about it. Yeah, but what what motivation would the government have for hiding the Loch Ness Monster. I get them, you know, wanting to hide the fact that there may be extraterrestrials. I get that. But what motivation would they have to keep sea monsters at, like, hidden? I mean, it's the government. Who the hell knows? But I mean, Unless it's, like, some kind of, like, King Kong situation. Well, I mean, there's always that. But, but I mean, <laughs> hell. We digress. Were, gor- gorillas were encrypted before they were ever were discovered. They, yeah. were, they, they were a cryptid tale back in the 1800s before someone discovered them actually in scientifically classed them. Yeah. They were just, to, to the Africans back then, they were just these hairy men who lived in the woods and would come every once in a while and kill one of them and take them or something. Uh, and most likely eat them. But, add that to my nightmare things. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. But I've seen Congo. I know what happens. Oh, boy. <laughs> But we'll you know the movie next. I'm talking about? The oh, I know Congo. <laughs> the gray, the gray gorillas. <laughs> oh, I I know Congo very well. But we'll move on to the next one, 
which you might not have heard of this one. It's not the most known one, but it's one of my favorite cryptids. And I'm probably going to slaughter the pronunciation of the name, but it's Mokele Mbembe. And actually, I think I said that perfectly. But have you have you heard of this one or no? Um, explain it to me, and then I can confirm <laughs> nor deny whether I've heard of it. Maybe I've heard of it called something else. Um, it's not called anything else because I want to say it's Nigeria or Ethiopia. This is this creature. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I just made that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, I didn't. I wouldn't do that. I, I, I respect paranormal and cryptids too much to ever make things up just for the fun of it. But okay, well, Nigerian. It was a. Uh, I believe it was either Nigeria or Ethiopia or it's somewhere in Africa. But okay. basically, there's a big lake river there, or both combined, and this is a basically a brontosaurus-looking creature that has been seen for the last 50 or 60 years, like, in this lake. Like, there's plenty of stories of Africans, like, going to the lake and trying to fight it to prove their bravery and stuff, or trying to, and there's plenty of research teams that have gone out down there to try to find it, and there are plenty of people that come back, have come back and said, yeah, we saw something, we just couldn't get it on camera fast enough. So is it possible that it is the same thing as the Loch Ness Monster? But just uh well not quite because this is not really like uh it can also go on land like it's been oh. it's been it's been spotted supposedly on the land by the lake and when it walks in the land you could feel the ground shaking for miles is what they say oh hell no um <laughs> I mean basically to... basically there I mean it goes to the whole basic theory that do dinosaurs still somewhat exist in like tropical jungles in the deepest parts of them where we where humans have yet to lay eyes on like in the amazon or i can't think of the other one right now but uh, the other one in asia that's huge and the one in, and in the congo even i mean like the congo is also which is the congo is where this creature is from but there are other ones in the Cong congo that's been spotted too supposedly i'm gonna have to stamp yes on this one just because this sounds like there is more evidentiary documentation that would lean towards yes for me yeah, without right, knowing I mean, much more about it i mean i would have to dive deep in the world of google and and learn about it but i would have to stamp yes on that one. Oh, i mean this is definitely something you should google if you're interested because there's a huge theory out there that maybe some land of the lost or uh, during the center of the earth stuff really type of stuff does really does exist like in this world like it's it's highly believed by a lot of people that are paranormal lovers or conspiracy lovers and that is terrifying yeah which goes back to my childhood daydreams of having a t-rex walk around my house looking in windows for me uh, you've probably seen um the lost jurassic world Par jurassic park this was after i saw jurassic park 2 i'm guessing uh. so used to have those daydreams constantly and like or like or i'd have these weird daydreams that like the shower in my parents bedroom was like a time machine kind of and it would bring like velociraptors back somehow oh that would terrify me yeah and i used to dream of this stuff at night and wake up like running to check and make sure there's nothing in the house and, and ugh, terrifying i don't even <laughs> want to think i don't even want to think about it anymore but all right the next one's a very common one that i know you know what it is because everybody does and we're talking about Bigfoots, 
because they're not big feet, they're big foots. Sasquatches and Yowies, they're Australian cousins. Are we going to lump in the abominable snowman with this, or is that a different one? I don't like to lump in. I mean, yes, the Yeti, abominable snowman. He's just I mean, a I cold like weather Sasquatch is what I think. I don't like the name Bumble Snowman because it makes it seem like a cartoon character. It does. <laughs> so, so I like prefer From the Yeti. Christmas movies, like Clemens. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. Um, but, but I mean, I don't throw in the Yeti just because there's been so much work to disprove that. And like, I almost don't want to believe in Yetis anymore. But I just saw an article the other day that said that <laughs> the Tibetan, Tibetan people classified yetis into four different groups of yet of four different kinds of yetis different sizes and whatnot mm-hmm. and yes one size has been it's been decided that it was a species of bear that no one knew existed okay so we will go strictly on bigfoot or sasquatch for the layperson um again i kind of have to lump this in with the um the Loch Ness monster thing like I get like if there is a Sasquatch or Big Feet or Bigfoots afloat I would have to say like they are world champion hide and seek players. They yep in tw- in twenty twenty they were the they were the social distancing champions. Yeah. But I have to wonder why like remains have never been found. There are theories for that, though. There are theories that, I mean, because people have, I've heard stories straight from people's mouths that their grandfather told for years that he killed one. Right. But that's kind of like along the lines of those urban legend things, like my cousin's roommate, you know, kind of thing. Some of these, though, I do do believe because they actually give like the exact date they did it. They give the exact place they wore, like coordinates and everything. Right. They're they're hunters. But so what if they they killed it? What did they they do with the remains? They always say by the time they got back to get the remains, they are gone. The remains are gone. Or also, the one the one hunter I heard said he buried the remains, and when he went back because someone told him. You should get them and become famous. When he went back to get them, it was bare, it was dug up and gone. Which, I mean, if there's one Bigfoot, there's got to be more of them because they've been seen for since Native American times. They've been seen in America, right? So, so are we going to believe that Bigfoot are intelligent, like human like oh, I mean, with extra hair, or are we going to? I mean, I believe. That they are more intelligent than monkeys, but maybe less advanced than humans. I like, mean, there's the there's the whole theory too, though, also that they could be giganticus. I think I said that right, but I could have messed it up. Which is basically, it was a caveman type. That's human what I was thinking. Offshoot where supposedly humans killed them off, but what if they got sick of humans killing them and they just went into hiding? Right, like the last remaining Neanderthals. Kind of, but I mean, they were also giants compared to humans. They right. were seven, eight feet tall, according to the drawings. Well, if you, I mean, from what people guess based on the proportion of, of cave drawings, but and from the bones they found, because they found bones of Giganticus before, like when they've done digs, but right. 
no one knows if that's what Bigfoots came from or if they're just or are Bigfoots from aliens? Did aliens drop them here as, as to see if they could integrate on Earth and like live here? Right. And I'm just going to throw this out here as a hot take. But for anybody listening that kills a Bigfoot, like don't leave it behind. Get out your cell phone. Take a fucking picture. You know, take a bone with you or something. Never, ever leave Bigfoot behind with the plans of going back. Like, just get your photographic evidence, you know, take a tow, whatever you need to take, and prove that shit. Like, I need, inquiring minds need to know. I mean, there's, I mean, there's just, there's so much proof of Bigfoot nowadays, though. I mean, like, the guys from Small Town Monsters just did a a documentary, a third-part documentary of series of the search for Bigfoot. And I think, I think this one was called like discovery and they went to Washington state and there's a whole forest section bought by the coast that basically is just full of these big looking nest bed type things. And people commonly believe they are Bigfoot beds. Like, like, they're big, like not dead. Oh, I guess you can call them dens too. I mean, they're, but they just look like big bird nests on the ground that they think the Bigfoot's like sleep in. So do and we just, think that Bigfoot is a solitary per like a solitary animal, or do you think they, mm-hmm. they live in packs? I've heard Every time story- you see a, like a sighting, it's usually just one that's kind of like sulking around, looking a little suspicious out in like I mean, I mean, the woods. From, from all the stories I've heard of Bigfoot, and I've heard I mean, I've listened to so many podcasts, I've heard tons of them, but my I typically believe that. They start off as kids, obviously. I mean, they have to they have to be younglings, younglings out there, mm-hmm. and because otherwise we wouldn't still be seeing them hundreds of years later. And I think they stay with their family until they get older, and I think they go out and they look like humans would for a mate. And then, if they find a mate, then they have kids of their own, little bigfoot of their own, or little big feet of their own, or you want to call it. And I think, but I think once they get older, or if they can't find a mate, they just wander solo. I wouldn't even know, like, as a Bigfoot, like, where to go to find a mate. Because they have to be so minimally populated. It's not like they can be, like, all the cool chicks hang out by the fourth tree on the left down by the river. (laughs) I mean, well, that's why they have wood knocks, which people hear constantly. And that's why they have like their whoops and yells that people have recorded and you can hear it. And there's no other animal on earth that would make a sound like that. You clearly have not been around me after eating Taco Bell. Well, I mean, that's a whole different whoop and yell. It's not exactly an oral sound either. But moving on. Uh, I'm sure. sure, But no one is treating Taco Bell. But but I mean, but on the Washington coast, I think it's... um, I think it's Olympic Olympic State Forest or something like that. There's a couple of families of them living there, they believe. At least. To the coast! <laughs> oh, trust me. I'd love to go, but the government is very protective of that coast for some reason. Another one of their their schemes. That's probably the same coast that fucking Loch Ness Monster hangs out at. Well, no. Loch Ness Monster's in Scotland, so different countries all, different countries all together, but... Uh, well, whatever! Like, if it's that smart, it can travel. Like, it wants to travel with the seasons. Give it some credit. 
Well, I mean, that's why, well, it's a lock. I mean, there's supposed to be no exits out of locks, but that's one of the theories. But we're not going to go backwards towards that again. <laughs> In the great um, words of Sean Connery, the Loch Ness Monster belongs to Scotland. That is a very good impression, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I used to be able to do his impression before I started smoking. But let's move on to, let's say, Chupacabra. The Mexican goat killers. Absolutely. I buy into that one 100%. But do you think, do you think there are some kind of weird hybrid offspring of animals that already exist? Or are they alien species that got dropped here for some reason? Or are they government experiments that went wrong? I am a firm believer that they are hmm, like spiritually based. Like, faith-driven. Like, I think that they are lore. Like the, like the, well, like, yeah, like, you think, like, the Catholics in Mexico use them as a way to scare their kids into listening and not going out at night? Yep. I could see that, but, I mean, I've seen too many pictures of, like, chupacabra bodies. And, like, yes, some of them are obviously fake, or they're a dog with mange that died, or something like that, but... Some of them look too weird to be anything but something out of this world. Where do you think M. Night Shyamalan gets all the ideas for his movies? Have you not seen The Village? I think he smokes a lot of weed. Well, yeah, we have that in common. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, Yes, I've seen The Village. That's a really good movie that people underrate a lot. But yeah. not going into that because this is not a movie review podcast. Right. So I, may, I may do one of those eventually. We'll find out. But <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump right into the next one then. What do you think about dogmen or as they are more well-known werewolves, but I don't like that term because dogmen, because werewolves are only supposed to turn at full moons and dogmen have been reported as being able to turn whenever they want. Right. I think there are people that have like hereditary werewolf syndrome where, you know, they grow an abnormal amount of, like, thick hair on their face. So we're not talking about them. We are talking about, like, people that are 100%, like, look human, and then they transform into a wolf, into a wolf correct? Into a any kind of dog, really. But, I mean, okay. yeah, tip, t- typically it's more like a wolf look or more like a coyote look. Okay. Um, I'm going to say no. All right. I'm not. Do you have a reason for saying no or just say no? I think if there are like pictures and stuff, I think it's probably based, like I said, on those people that have that genetic mutation where they grow the thick hair. I don't think that the the human body is able to transition in that way. Well, I mean, we're going to get down to this uh, towards the end of the list, but. If, I mean, do you believe in demons and angels? I mean, we'll just hit on it now real fast because it's not really a talking topic like for long times. Um, no, not really. I mean, I'm not even religious and I still got to believe that it's possible they exist. I mean, it's possible. I mean, in every religion since Norse gods, since Egyptian gods, since I mean, Greek gods, we, I mean, there's always creatures of the other world. Okay, I, w- I guess I was thinking of angels and demons as far as, like, 
Catholicism, but are you're thinking more along the lines of the position that they hold in each religion? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, just the fact okay. that there's just the fact there's got to be creatures. Like in every religion, there's creatures of the underworld, and there's creature, yeah. or, or there's creatures from the heavens or gods right. from the heavens. Okay, okay, but I would change that answer to yes, I do believe that there are there are spiritual evil there is spiritual evil and there is spiritual good and they are represented in different forms in different religions yeah so but back to the dogman thing one of the popular theories because there has been like a sulfury rotten egg smell when these dogmen are sighted sometimes not always but sometimes right is that they're possibly people cursed by demons to live mortally and have this curse where they can turn to a dogman a dogman whenever they want to i would be more inclined to instead of thinking that it was a a cursed human i would be more inclined to think that it might be a demonic presence that has the ability to shape shift into a human form yes which we're going to get to something similar to that later but <laughs> i mean but as it stands I, a human that transitions to that i would say no if it were the other way where it was yeah. like a, an evil presence that they had the ability to transition into or hide themselves in the human form, I would say yes. Well, I'm going to put it to you. I'm going to just leave this with one comment, and that is look up dogmen, dogmen sightings map on Google sometime if you want to scare the shit out of yourself. Don't and tell me they're in Iowa. I am pretty sure they were in every freaking state in the U.S. God and there's, there are sightings reported from every state in the U.S. I just had a fucking coyote on my porch last year. That better not have been one of those little fuckers. I mean, I mean, have you have you ever heard of the Beast of Bray Road? No. Not that I know well, of. You should Google that, too, if you want to scare yourself. Because the oh, pictures okay. of that, th- there are pictures of that. And it is very realistic looking and very terrifying looking. What are I ways mean, to ruin my sleep tonight for 400, Alex? Basically, but <laughs> but I mean, I've just heard too many stories of dogmen to not believe they exist personally. I mean, plus, there's been werewolf legend since medieval times and even earlier. Yes, so something had to be happening. I mean, I don't believe that people just made up all these monsters out of nowhere. I mean, everything, no. every idea comes from somewhere. Yes, which always cracks me up when I see like a movie or something that says based on true events. Well, yeah, it had to be based on true events. Cause how do you think someone thought of this dumbass? Well, I mean, people do write completely fictional movies too, but it's just a lot more work. Yes. But we'll digress onto the next topic. Cause it is getting late. <laughs> uh, do you believe in, all right, I'm going to do this one as a combo pack because they're both specific to the areas they're from. Do you believe in Jersey devil? And the Mothman. Yes. Or Mothmen. I mean, because they have been, they were seen in, oh God, I'm going to forget it now, aren't I? <laughs> they were seen in uh, the place where the nuclear accident happened in Chernobyl? Russia. Yeah. They were seen in Chernobyl days before the nuclear meltdown. Like there was sightings of what looked like a Mothman as there was in Chicago flying through the sky in Chernobyl before the site, before the nuclear meltdown, like two or three days before. Yeah, I, I tend to believe in that one. Yeah. All right. I mean, do you, do you believe what a lot of of people believe that there 
uh, like foretellers of doom. Yeah, I, I do believe they are prophecy tellers. Do you think they're actually angels of some kind or heavenly beings of some kind? Or do you think they're underworld beings of some kind? I think that I don't necessarily think that they come from either a good place or a bad place. I think that they are probably just foretellers. All right. I mean, they have to come from somewhere. I have, I have to believe. Right. I mean, otherwise, why would they be caring about telling us something's going to happen? But well, I think in in believing that there is a, I don't believe in heaven and hell because I think it's a the idea of hell is a way to convince people to act what is deemed morally correct. Oh, yeah. Even 100%. though something is not, you know, legally, you know, they can it's a way to keep people in line. But I think the idea that there is either a a good place or a bad place and no in between, I don't believe that. I think that there is always neutral ground. And I think sometimes some of these creatures or stories or experiences come from that neutral ground, not necessarily warning us, not necessarily, you know, trying to prevent something, but just, you know, letting it be known that it could be happening, like a foreshadowing kind of thing. All right. I mean, that makes sense to me at least, but because I also don't believe in that there's actually like a, anything called heaven or hell that there's just maybe planes of existence after life but they're not called that and they're nothing as described in any bible i don't believe right i think i think maybe every religion has taken certain elements of what's there and gotten something right but i mean i don't think any of them got completely right exactly but the jersey devil you believe in that too you said when i think of the jersey devil the only thing i can wrap my brain around is the Tasmanian devil from Looney Tunes. So I would have to say I don't know enough about the Tasmanian devil to stamp yes or no on it. Well, I, well it's not the Tasmanian devil. That's a real creature that lives right. in uh, Tasmania. <laughs> That's all I can think but, about. But the Jersey devil is basically a creature that has been seen since colonial times in, in uh, New Jersey. And originally it was the 13th child of a woman born and because 13's uh, evil number. It my was, lucky it number. Was, it, yeah, it's been mine too for a lot of lottery. I even but, have it tattooed on me. <laughs> but basically, she gave birth to a 13 child, and it was a goat-looking creature with wings and hoofs and horns, and it could fly. And people still see it in New Jersey to this day, from time to time. Or, And supposedly, if it was coming, it sounds like a train coming. Even though even if there's no train tracks in the in any nearby area. Hmm. I might have to look into this one. Oh, there are documentaries on it. It's very interesting. I mean, it's just it's just a very specified local cryptid. Like it doesn't leave uh the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. Hmm. Which I've driven through the Pine Barrens in New Jersey and they definitely are creepy. I mean, I, I'm from New York, so New Jersey's not that far off. Um, but it's yeah, the Pine Barrens are a very creepy forest. But 
All right, let's move on a little bit. What do you think about Thunderbirds? Do you know what those are? They are a go. (laughs) Not the TV show. (laughs) I couldn't resist. Tell me a little little bit about Thunderbirds, because all I can think about is the cartoon. Basically, they're a creature that goes back to Native American lore, and they're still seen to this day, however. And, I mean, they're called Thunderbirds, but they are also just called giant freaking birds. Because in the back in Native American times, Thunderbirds used to be able to make storms when they wanted to come and take a livestock or take a human to eat or feed to their children. Okay, so but, they're basically like Native American indigenous pterodactyls. Well, funny you should say pterodactyls because... Today, that's what people report they see a lot, and there are actually cases of, I think it was back in the 80s, of a kid being picked up by one, I believe it was in Ohio or Texas, somewhere out west, and he was just playing outside in his yard, and all of a sudden, he just saw this huge shadow over him, and his mother looked out the window, and he was being taken by a giant bird or pterodactyl-looking creature. And Did they get the, him back? Yeah, the, the kid... The kid kept struggling and the parent and the father and the neighbors went and got their guns and started shooting at it because I believe it was Texas, which, you know, they all have guns. So I, on the, it dropped the kid like a few yards over eventually and the kid would only have like a couple broken bones and whatnot. But, but I mean, these sightings continue this to this day. Like people see these things to these to this day. I mean, especially out West, it's more of a Western United States phenomenon. Yeah. So he had a few broken bones and a fucking badass story. Basically, but he, I believe he stopped telling the story eventually once he got older because people stopped believing him and started like, like laughing at him constantly. I, coming from an indigenous background, I do faintly remember hearing stories of this. So yeah, I'm I mean, going to have to. I'm going to have to say yes on this one. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to, like, the do dinosaurs still really exist in, like, some parts of the world type thing. Or, I mean, there are plenty of high mountains that a pterodactyl could live on, and no one would ever see it. Right. no one would ever ever go to that part of the mountain, probably, because it's too high up or too steep. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've always been a believer in that just because... How cool would it be to see a pterodactyl from your window of your house, of course, because who wants to be staying outside if you see that? But Right. Yeah. I'd way much I'd way rather see that than a friggin' T Rex. Yes, a hundred percent. A hundred freaking percent. But all right. That's I like that you believe in that. So let's <laughs> move on to the next thing, which I'm gonna skip ghosts and spirits and shadow people because we already talked about those in Yes. In some detail, at least. So, just a skosh. Have you heard about mirrored men? Yes. Do you believe that this phenomenon, whether it be extra extra dimensional or alien oriented, like do you believe this phenomenon could exist? Yes, I do. Yeah, I mean, I never heard about it until I started listening to Monsters Among Us podcast and people started calling in their stories about mirrored men sightings and they didn't even have a name back then. It wasn't until another podcast gave them a name. But it's just, it's a really strange phenomenon. Anybody who wants to know more about it should Google it because it's 
mind-blowing how it happens and the loss of time is very alien-like yes. from UFO reports and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're, I mean, I don't know. We'll get into that eventually with aliens, I'm sure. But but you've heard of them, which I'm almost surprised of, but not too surprised. <laughs> I'm a freak. Eh, it doesn't make <laughs> you a freak to believe in this stuff, but or at least I hope not. <laughs> but <laughs> if it does, then we are fucked. Then you said you had, since you said you had Native American background, are you a believer in skinwalkers? Also known as the Wendigo? No, they are actually two separate things completely. Not in my culture. <laughs> uh, all right, maybe maybe not in the oh, maybe not in the Native American tribe you belong your family came from, but I mean to from what I've always learned and been told, skinwalkers are different because they can change form. Wendigo are stuck in a form because of how they live their life. I believe in both. Yeah, I mean, simple enough. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, skinwalkers, I, from what I've been told were, and from what I've learned, from especially looking up skinwalker ranch stuff, mm-hmm. it's basically just people, it's basically just bad magicians from bad sorcerers from Native American tribes that were cursed to live forever and can change into any animal form they want to do whatever evil thing they want to do and they're cursed to live like that. And they basically are forced to do, to kill, to survive. And Wendigos, on the other hand, from the few, the little bit of lore there is about Wendigos, because there's not a lot of lore about them, and there's not many sightings of them, but there are some. People basically believe that they were people who became cannibalistic for some reason or another, either by choice or by no choice. I mean, just by being forced to be to survive. They turn to the Wendigo because of that. And they basically become these cannibalistic monsters that just live in the cold forest and have to survive. Yep. But there is a... There's a parallel between the two of them that I would have oh. to ask. Oh, my- there, are definitely par- there are definitely parallels, but just on the regions they're based in, it's just different tribes so I mean, yep. maybe there maybe there is some similarity between them but i i mean they're very local like to several like skinwalkers are local to the southwest right tribes mainly in the western tribes and wendigo are more like well like in pet cemetery the actual book like they bring right. up wendigo for that tribe which is based out of maine canada area and right. was a real and was a real tribe i found out recently i didn't actually i thought stephen king made that tribe up but right and the way that it works as well is with different um indigenous tribes they all have their own lore that kind of is attached to the species so when you go between tribes they may be interchangeable in a way to some like, tribes like, i can see how they would do that but yeah i mean it's just the Wendigo can't shapeshift. That's the only right. difference I that like sticks in my head. That like definitely differences the like. Either way, if I come across either one of them, my stomach is gonna fall out of my butt. Yeah, I mean, I'll be calling the Winchesters if I run either one of them. But <laughs> I eh. would crap myself. 
Yeah, that'd be the least of my worries at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I would only trap myself in hopes that it would deter them from coming near me. I really doubt it, but you never know. <laughs> probably, it'd probably attract them. Damn it. They're like, ooh, Taco Bell. All right. The last thing we're going to touch on, because this list is just too long to do all of them, because we'll be on here forever. We're going Because we got to touch on aliens. And I'm going to break it down, and you can answer whichever one first you want. Do you believe there are, well, A, do you believe there are aliens to begin with? And then B, do you believe there are greys and reptilians or just one or the other? I believe that there are aliens. Absolutely. I think it would be very narrow-minded of us to believe that we are the only form of intelligent life there is, especially with so much that is unexplored. And I I don't want to say that there is or there isn't. I think that there is probably more specimens than just the two you're asking about. Well, yeah. I mean, I fully believe there could be insectoid ones, too. There could be, uh, I mean, they, as they call them on people of Earth, the Norse ones or just human-looking ones who mm-hmm. throughout history happen to look like Norse gods. Yeah. But I mean, As a Norse pagan, I buy into that 100%. And so, do you also believe that that's who all the ancient gods wore? Were really aliens coming down to Earth and teaching humans how to do things back in ancient times? You mean like Freya like, and like, well, like Thor yeah, if you, want, if you want, if you want to go the Norse route, or I mean, okay. or do you believe that all the different animal-looking gods of like Egyptian culture, like, do you believe they came down like? They were aliens that came down and taught them how to build the pyramids or taught them how to make... Because Egyptians create a lot of things in life. So did they teach... The aliens teach the Egyptians how to do all this? Or did the Egyptians just figure it out on their own? Which Oh, fuck no. Aliens definitely came to Earth and helped shit out. Absolutely. And I think that... The aliens that were in, like, that, I don't want to say commandeered, but that, you know, helped out specific regions and specific locations. I think that has a lot to do with the ideology that that region adopts, like, as far as, um, you know, like, the Egyptian gods and, you know, the Sphinx and, you know, all that stuff. And then the Norse gods and, you know, Native American and whatever the region may be, I think that I don't think anybody figured that stuff out just miraculously all of a sudden figured out how to perfectly align boulders that weigh tons and there's no way. So I definitely think that aliens had something to do with at the very least the seven wonders of the world. Okay, which I like that theory because I believe along the same lines, to a degree at least. I mean, I definitely agree they did a lot. I don't know about all seven wonders of the ancient world, but I mean, it seems to me like a hanging garden in Babylon would be pretty easy to figure out on your own. (laughs) But, I mean, who knows? But would it have been back in the day? I mean, yeah, we can figure it out now because we have all this, like, knowledge, but where did the knowledge come from? I mean, there's always been genius people who just can figure things out by seeing it in their head. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean the Copernicuses of the world, the Aristotles of the world, like. Just, but I get that I there's mean, genius people, but how did they convince you know thousands of people that they weren't crazy, and to go along with these these plans? Like, if I were an Egyptian and someone said, "Okay, I need you and you to grab this boulder," I need you to chisel it. And then I need you to hike it up those stairs, you know, three, four hundred feet. And I need you to come back down. I need you to do it again, like, you know, seven thousand times. Those people would be like, you're dumb. And no. Yeah, I mean, but people even these days believe a lot of stupid shit. Ugh, I just can't imagine. Like, There's believing in stupid shit. And then there's, fuck, you're dumb. You know, like, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Like, if someone came to me, like, back in ancient Egypt times and wanted me to help build a, a pyramid, I would have been like, no, I'm going to go back over here and look for <laughs> things that hang out in the river. That looks like a brontosaurus because that seems like a smarter idea to me than trying to build this pyramid. Yeah, I guess I see where you're coming from. Well, that's basically the end of the list I'm going to do tonight just because the list is a lot longer than I thought it was. And I also don't expect all the guests to give explanations as you did, which I <laughs> truly, I tr- I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I truly appreciate that. <laughs> but I like to hear people's theories on things like this. But so that's a wrap it up tonight um where can people find you once they listen to this i am on facebook under shanna lindman you can find me on the tiki talkie under life of larry i also have an instagram read with me i'm shan marie all right so all your future fans can find you there and if they want to question any of your theories maybe they'll hit you up uh-huh. <laughs> Bring it on. I am always happy for a healthy debate. And I myself am Jeremy Bryant, the host of this show. And you can find me as Jeremy Bryant on Facebook. Soon to come, a paranormal, the new normal Facebook group will start eventually once this show gets a little bit of a following. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Juggalo Bastard. And you can also find me on my other podcast I do with my friends, Bracket Bastards which is a hilarious pop culture podcast that tackles everything you can imagine in pop culture, and we have some fun doing it. And Shanna has, Shauna has been on it, too, and I knew I was going to mess up your name again. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. They, it's now a running joke with the bastards. They call me every deviation of Shanna known to man and have made a joke out of it now. So whatever works for me now. Well, we yes we do like that fun with a lot of things like that well i want to thank you shauna <laughs> shanna for coming on i did that on purpose just saying that yeah <laughs> but thank you shanna for coming on and thank you for being the first guest on this podcast well i'm and happy to do it it was a lot of fun appreciate talking with you and maybe we'll catch up with you with you again in the future sometime if you have more some more occurrences absolutely Oh, thank, thank you, and 
Join us next week for another guest. Bye.